ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. And thank you for subscribing to the latest edition of the 12 Kyle podcast. I am your boy, 12 Kyle. Check this out. On this episode, uh, we're going back again. Uh, It's Hip Hop Month. It's Hip Hop Week on the 12 Kyle podcast. Uh, As many of you know, probably all of you should know, um, hip hop turned 50 this month at the time of this recording. And one of the things that I said I wanted to do was to, you know, in honor of hip hop, uh, do some album reviews on some albums that I had not previously done. Now, today's episode is going to be on an album that, honestly, I thought I'd already done. And I had to actually go back and look in the archives and be like, oh, wow, I didn't do that one. Um, so we're going to take it back to an album that was released, <clears throat> excuse me, August 1st, 1989, the debut solo album from the DOC entitled No One Can Do It Better. Um, Man, I guess I probably should start by saying I love this album. Uh, All of the albums that I wanted to talk about were albums that were kind of pinpoint certain points in my life. Um, And this one is no different. Uh, If you've been following the podcast, I've done previous episodes uh, this week, just um, basically dropping an episode a, a day, which is something that I had never done before. Um, and uh, this one right here is special. Uh, this is one of my favorite albums. I think arguably it's probably the best album to come out in 1989. Um, but one of my favorite hip hop albums, definitely of that year. One of my favorite hip hop albums, period. Um, man, where do I start with this album? Um, I guess I probably should start with like for me the doc came out of nowhere like uh i know he was a member of the um feel a fresh crew um and i think i only found that out because i was looking on the album covers or um the liner notes i think probably on the nwa and the posse album um but yeah i didn't know who this guy was uh he had this um very distinct voice and very distinct sound. And for in fact, I probably until about, I don't know, maybe five years ago, I didn't know DLC wasn't from LA. I, I assumed that he was from LA. He sounded like everybody. And cats he ran with were from LA. So um yeah, I, I go way back with this album. Um so it drops uh 1989 I think I want I thought I want to say I was probably a junior in high school when this album came out. And so me and my friends, we <laughs> we were huge fans of Easy E, huge fans of the Easy Does It album, subsequently even bigger fans of the NWA album straight out of Compton. And this was next up to bat on Ruthless Records. Uh the DLC's debut album. The album was produced by obviously Easy E and Dr. Dre. Um man. I guess the I guess I probably should start with this album because like where I was um musically um really was at a uh, a point where I I really was me and my friends some of my closest friends we really gravitated toward what you would now call West Coast hip hop. Um and I can't really say why but it's like that music really resonated with us. Um for me it goes back to 
you know, Ice T, early Ice T, one of the Power album, uh, then King T, Act a Fool, and then of course, you know, NWA, uh, Easy, well, excuse me, Easy, Easy E, then NWA, then Ice Cube, um, so forth and so on. But like, uh, really, for somebody like myself who grew up in Florence, South Carolina, um, <laughs> in a weird way, uh, and I tell people this all the time, like in 1988, in, in 86, 87, 88 and definitely 89 what's weird was you could get your hands on a west coast album before you could get something from new york or philly um and i can't really say why that was but like me and my friends uh we just really really gravitated toward the music plus you know the the west coast and it wasn't even really west coast it was just basically la for me um I, I just really like the vibe, man. Those dudes from NWA on down, <clears throat> everybody seemed to have a real chill vibe. Even if you, even if you didn't, even if you weren't gangster, like <clears throat> you could take a, an act like seven, eight, three, um, shout out to cool and Cali. Um, <clears throat> they weren't thugs or anything like that. And they weren't gangbangers or anything like that. At least not, not to my knowledge, they weren't. <laughs> um, but you know, they just had a, a, a sound and a vibe that, you know, cats like me in the South really could pay attention to and kind of identify with. And <clears throat> they all seem to be on something different. And I think one of the things that stood out to me about not just the DOC, but the whole NWA posse and the crew was that they were really, really looking to make that kind of music and put on for where wherever they were from. Now, <laughs> I'll be the first to admit, the first time I heard the word Compton, I didn't know that Compton was anywhere. Like I, I, I didn't know where it was. And then I, then they, I made the connection of it's in LA, but like I'd always heard of LA. I'd never heard of Compton until NWA. Um, but you know, that, that quickly became someplace that you don't want to go. <laughs> Compton, California. Shout out to Uncle Dolomite for the too much game uh, podcast. Uh, he's, he's the mayor of Compton. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, this album right here, man, um, like I said, I I assume because DLC ran with him, I just assumed that he was from Compton, literally. <laughs> I mean, he could have been from Gardena for all I know. I don't know. But, you know, this album, man, was it was something different. And the the cool part about this album was, again, the DLC had a very unique style and his voice sounded totally different from any other MC that I'd heard. And I think that's, you know, something that really goes unsaid, you know, and we as hip hop fans, especially old school fans, old heads such as myself, you know, we can definitely appreciate uh, the uniqueness and the variety of, of rappers that we had uh, because, you know, back then in 1989, you honestly, you couldn't come out trying to <laughs> sound like somebody else. And, um, you know, NWA had their own, flavor they had their own look the 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 black the black jackets with the black raider hats i mean that was a cold look and and the thing about it was was like we were we at least i was somewhat hip to gangs and colors to me that was black was a neutral color so i just assumed again assuming not knowing because we didn't have the internet in 1989 that there were no gangs that wore black like every like if you wore black you were just down with the Raiders and you were down with the NWA if you were from LA. And so uh I laugh at that now because I mean obviously I know better, but um 
Yeah, it was, it was, it was, I, I can't even really call it gangster rap. It was, DOC was just, it was, he was dope. It was really, really, it was a dope album. And um, <clears throat> it really kind of took a lot of people by surprise. Uh, like I said, he had a very distinct voice. Um, and he could rap. I mean, make no, make no mistake about it. He's from Dallas, Texas, but he could rap. And we, we, we learned further down the road that one of the most important things that you can remember about DOC is his pen. Not only could he rap, but he could write. And <clears throat> he wrote a lot of rhymes for Easy. He wrote a lot of rhymes for NWA. He ghost wrote on The Chronic. Um, so the DOC's pen is legendary. It's almost as legendary as his, you know, once golden voice. Um, but yeah, man, this album, at least for me and my, my partners in Florence, man, we loved it. Uh, I just remember, I remember, I remember buying the tape and then I played that tape forever. <laughs> uh, in fact, I, I, that tape honestly is one of the, the few tapes that I still have. I actually saw this tape at my mom's house. Um, the last time I was in ho at home and, um, I didn't, I, I didn't bring it cause I mean, no need for me to bring it with me cause I don't have a tape deck. But I still have that tape. And um, what's interesting is if you look at the cassette tape of, you know, no one can do it better. Like all of the writing on the label and stuff is gone because I, I played that tape so much. And, you know, all of my friends, we, we love the DOC. And um, this was an album that I can't say we knew that it was coming. But um, once we got our hands on it, man, it was a wrap uh, for me. <laughs> They were, you know, three for three because first Easy Does It came out uh, in 88. And if you're following the podcast, there will be a Easy Does It uh, album review because that album this year is turning 35 years old. It's crazy. Um, and then, of course, Straight Outta Compton, uh, which I did an album review on that as well. And then this was the third release. Um, no one can do it better. Um, now, when you think about this album, uh, one of the things obviously you think about is the production. He got some stellar production from Doc, Dr. Dre. And I mean, you know, Dr. Dre's not going to ever come short. <laughs> but um, yeah, this album sonically still, to me, sounds very good. Um, it's one little thing I probably change as far as the sonics is concerned. And I'll get on that uh, once I get into the tracks. But um, no, it's, it's, it's a solid, solid album um, from, front, from front to back, easy listening. Uh, the album total runtime is 48 minutes and 25 seconds. Um, in 89, that wasn't a long album. That was really about how long you wanted the album to go. I, idealistically, in 89, you probably wanted your album to go from anywhere from 35 to 45 minutes. <clears throat> and I think you'd probably be fine after that. And this was just a little bit over that. But I mean, again, the DLC was so dope, man, that, you know, you didn't care. <laughs> Um, this album sonically, I think, uh, still resonates with me. It's still something that, and it's still an album that I still listen to. You know, a lot of times, you know, we will do uh, these album reviews and you hear people do album reviews and stuff like that. And, you know, they go back to the albums and they say, well, I hadn't heard it in a while. And, you know, it's probably maybe the, who knows, maybe the last time they'll probably listen to it for a while. Um, but this one, no, this one stays, it, it stayed in rotation. And um, it's an album that I still go back to 
you know, at least once a month, at least once a month, because like, you know, some days I get on my West Coast stuff and I just want to hear West Coast. And, um, you know, this, and, and when I go West Coast, a lot of times I go back. And um, this is one of the ones that I think, you know, helped birth the sound um, that resonated for not just West Coast, but East Coast as well. Because the thing about the thing that was dope about the DOC was that even though he was from the West, and in this particular time in rap, because we didn't call it hip hop at the time, in 89, people really wanted to know if you could rap. That's it. Like, you really didn't have too much as far as coastal biases or anything like that. The South really wasn't established as far as MCs are concerned. So if you, you could rap, that was it. And then, you know, a lot a, a lot of people, hip hop heads such as myself, um, the thing we always looked at was to see who you were down with. <laughs> so if you were, let's just say I was, I'm MC wingtips, right? And I'm down with Sir Mix-a-Lot. If you like Sir Mix-a-Lot, then you think, okay, well, MC Wingtips must be all right because he's down with Sir Mix-a-Lot. Conversely, if you're down with <laughs> NWA, you know, you got to be dope because there was no such thing as like having some whack dude out of the crew get a, get an album or record deal. It, it didn't happen like that in the, in the 80s. Um, <laughs> in the 2000s, it was very prevalent. But um, But yeah, I mean, so... His association and affiliation with NWA, Dre, Easy E, Ice Cube. I mean, like, there are hip hop fans such as myself that really refer to the DOC as a member of NWA. And I've always viewed him as such um, because of his involvement, not only in their song making process, but the look of the group. Um, you see his videos, when you saw like the video for. Um, uh, it's funky enough. Of course, you know, NWA's in the video. Um, and it's just, uh, he was always there with them and they were always there with him. So I always considered him to be a member, um, not somebody who was just just specifically down with the crew. Um, but yeah, incredible album. Uh, I would implore all of you after you finish listening to this podcast, if you haven't heard the album, do yourself a favor. Go listen to No One Can Do It Better. This album bangs to this day um now let's get into the tracks uh the album like i said was released on august 1st 1989 um i want to say this album is yeah this album is platinum um which is saying a lot because from the nwa crew you did you wouldn't think that they would get a lot of airplay but he had a couple of singles that got a lot of airplay a couple of videos um that was in the rotation at bt and uh, Yo MTV Raps. So, you know, the DOC was everywhere. Um, so the first single is Funky Enough, uh, was re- which was released June 16th, 1989. Then the second single, the DOC and the Doctor, uh, released October 5th, 1989. Uh, the third single, The Formula, was released, released in 1989. And then the fourth single that was released was Mind Blowing, which also was released in 1989. Um, as far as the tracks... Uh, all of the tracks were produced by Dr. Dre. Uh, the album starts off with the lead single is funky enough. Um, this joint, man, it still bangs. I mean, like, and it's funny because like, as the DOC is rapping and he goes into this kind of Caribbean type flow, which 
honestly, if we're being real, you didn't hear. I mean, that was damn near non-existent in rap. Maybe with the exception of KRS-One, I can't think of anybody else who had that type of style on a particular song in rap. And I mean, this guy's coming out the gate and this is his first single and he's doing that. Um, Then track two, mind-blowing. Track three, you got Lend Me an Ear, which is a crazy, crazy joint. Um, The commercial blues featuring Miss Chalet, um, which is funny. Uh, You know, they they had their little skits and stuff. Um, Then we moved to track five, let the bass go. Track six, beautiful but deadly. Now, this one, he kind of touches into a little bit of rock and roll. Um, I'm not as big. You know what? It depends on the mood. I'll be honest. If I'm in the mood, I'll listen to this. If I'm not in the mood, I'll skip it. It's not a bad song. It's just that heavy metal sound. Just, I was just like, ugh, like, come on, man. I don't know what Dre was thinking about on that one. But it's not corny. And to be honest, Run DMC did the same thing. So I'm not mad. LL too. So I'm not mad at the attempt. And I don't, I don't I won't necessarily say that it was an attempt to cross over, but you really don't hear a lot of <laughs> guitar riffs. In rap songs. I mean, not heavy metal guitar riffs in rap songs. That's pretty much non-existent. Um, but he tried. So um, track seven, uh, the aforementioned The DLC and The Doctor, one of my favorite joints. Um, then track eight. Um, man, this might be my second favorite track. No one can do it better. The title, the, the uh, title of the album. Um Man, that joint still bangs. And I mean, like, when I hear this song, it always takes me back to, you know, being in high school in the Nissan Central sitting on 13s. <laughs> uh, track nine, uh, World We're in Pyramid. Uh, and then you got track 10, which is more of a skit as well. Uh, commercial two featuring MC Ren. Uh, then track 11. Track 11 might be my favorite track on the album, The Formula. He had a video for it and everything. Um, this was. This was vintage Dr. Dre on the on the beats, vintage DLC, um, cold, cold ass song. Uh, then you had track 12, Portrait of Masterpiece. And then the final track of the album, track 13, the grand finale, Posse Cut featuring NWA. Um, listen, this is, in my opinion, this is one of the best posse cuts in, in hip hop in, in, that hip hop has seen. It's not the best. It's not up there with scenario or the symphony, but I might just a top 10 Posca, and I don't think that's a stretch. Um, and me and my boys, we'd always go back and forth about who had the best verse. Um, but uh, that's the album. And I mean, like, this album, man, it, 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 it still resonates with me to this day. Um, obviously, you know, anytime I talk about albums, particularly hip-hop albums, you know, the the, the in- inevitable question comes up. Well, how many mics would you give it? Okay. Um, this album was not initially reviewed by the source um, when it first came out. Because, again, it came out in 89. I don't know if the source were doing... Um, I, for whatever reason, they didn't review it. Because the source was out, I think, by 89. Um, but for whatever reason, it didn't get reviewed. The source came back later, subsequently in 2002, and reviewed this album and gave it five mics. That's a lot because you know what five mics is? As you see my shirt, 
Classic. Um, no, it's not a five mic album. If I had to give it a mic, I'd probably it's four and a half. It's 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 a four strong four and a half. Um, beautiful but deadly can go. <laughs> uh, you know if you if you say one got to go, shout out the eclectic, the originator of one got to go. Um, yeah, that's got to go. I could do without beautiful, beautiful but deadly. Um, everything else fits. Uh, even the skits fit. Um, like I said, the album front to back, and I mean if you take <laughs> if you take beautiful but deadly off the off the album, I mean. You got a 42 minute, <laughs> you got a 42 minute album, which is right in that pocket that I spoke about a little earlier. Um, but yeah, man, this is this this album is cold. Uh, like I said, I, I never get tired of listening to it. And you know, for those of you who don't know, I'm pretty sure if you're hip hop fans, you know what happened. Um, unfortunately, five months after this album came out, uh, the DLC was in a near fatal car accident. Um, he had been drinking, had been smoking weed, fell asleep behind the wheel, um, crashed his car, was ejected from the car. He had to go through plastic surgery, um, and he had a couple of surgeries on his vocal cords, which were severely damaged. And I mentioned earlier about the golden voice, because I think on one of the songs, the DOC does say that he had a golden voice. And that's the last that we've heard that golden voice sound the way that he does. Uh, now, you know, the DLC has a very raspy voice. Um, and at the time of this recording, there had been some uh, talk about the DLC possibly re recording more music, but using an AI assisted voice. Um I don't know how I feel about that, but I would love to see the DOC back out there rhyming. I ain't gonna lie, because I'm a fan. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, it was... And he went on to record another album, Helter Skelter, and of course he contributed to um, The Chronic for Dr. Dre. Uh, you heard him on skits, and you've heard him talk, and you've heard him do interviews. Um, but it's still not the golden voice that we remember from the DOC. Uh, and hopefully prayerfully uh he can get some of that back i don't know what the likelihood is uh, likelihood of it happening is um but yeah it was uh it, it it was it was and you know to be honest i remember hearing about the accident but i don't think we knew what the severity of it was we just heard that he was in a car accident and he was hurt bad and then like then it came out maybe like a couple of weeks later like yo he can't talk like that was the initial thing i remember hearing that on the radio that the dlc couldn't talk and i'm like damn man like that's gotta be messed up i mean this guy was he was literally about to take off i mean like because he was already a star i think had the dlc not gotten into that car accident sky would have been the limit for that guy because again he could rap he had charisma he had a really good stage presence and i mean he was he was down with the world's most dangerous crew so i don't i don't think i don't think for a second that the DOC would have fallen off or anything like that and I mean like he was a staple that was able to put his flag down for you know LA Dallas um and he did some production as well so I mean like he was a really well-rounded I shouldn't say was he is a well-rounded um entertainer nonetheless um 
but yeah, we'll never know. And uh, hopefully, you know, like I said, his, his voice will, maybe he'll be able to do something with AI. I'd be down to hear it. I'd be down to listen because, again, I'm a fan. But this album here, man, this album is cold. Like I said, I give it four and a half mics. Um, I think that you all should check it out. Uh, it is definitely worth putting on your list uh, of albums to listen to and review. Um, and, you know, the DLC, I think uh, he he... He really held it together because, you know, we would subsequently see uh, N.W.A. go their separate ways. And, you know, the DLC stayed with Ruthless Records. So he was still with um, Suge Knight. And, um, you know, he persevered through all of that stuff, man. So I think, um, you know, props to him. And again, I'm a fan. I think this is an incredible album. Uh, again, I'm glad I got a chance to review it. I I'm really surprised <laughs> that it took me this long to review it. And um, but I'm glad that I did. And I want each and every one of you to check it out as well, because, again, like I said, this this album, it got a lot of play in my room, in my headsets, uh, in my car, uh, you know, because at, I was at that age where I really gravitated toward the music. And this this version of West Coast hip hop was dope to me. And um, I think it's I think it's very important and it's important to history. And I don't want the D.O.C. to forever be known for that accident he put out a incredible album and he should be celebrated ladies and gentlemen that's gonna do it for me thank you for checking out this edition of the 12 kyle podcast be sure to subscribe to the podcast remember the podcast drops each and every thursday at midnight from time to time we drop bonus episodes on sundays uh make sure that you check out the youtube channel all of the episodes are on youtube so you can watch there as well um if you feel inclined hit us up Drop us some money. <laughs> Dollar sign. T-W-E-L-V-E-K-Y-L-E on the cash app. Again, that's going to do it for me. Uh, this has been an album review of No One Can Do It Better by the DOC celebrating Hip Hop Week, Hip Hop Month. Uh, I'm your boy 12 Kyle. I'll catch you guys next time. 5G.